We're good? Yeah. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the second episode of Hoot and a Half. And uh, it, it brings such a smile to my face knowing that this is now the second episode. And also looking back on all the reactions we got from the first episode, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to everyone who listened, everyone who listened and left a review. I was overwhelmed and honestly brought to tears from all the reactions and reviews everyone left. Um, I read every single one of them, and I just want to say once again, thank you. And it's crazy because, you know, we're going into this, you know, um, at the infancy stages of this podcast. This is only the second episode, and I'm so excited for what's to come. But for where it's at now, I just want to say uh, how grateful I am for everyone who has listened and hopefully will still keep listening. And also thank you so much to you, Mike, for uh, being a part of this with me. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, well, to echo what you said, just launching something like this and just seeing all the positive reactions, the comments, the likes, the phone calls, the texts, um, people who wanna be guests on the podcast. I mean, I don't think we could have asked for a better launch episode. So big thanks to Josh for being our first guest on the show. and. Uh, just excited for what we have coming up, and yeah, episode and, two is here. And it's here. And do you? Th I I don't know if we could ever top Josh Peck. So we went with the second best, who is my dear friend Jason Nash. I've known Jason all the way since the Vine days. He was one of my first friends. I actually met when I moved out here to LA. You may know him from YouTube or David Dobrik's podcast he has with him called Views. And yes, so without further ado, here it is, the second episode of Hoot and a Half with me, Matt King and Mike Sheffer and our special guest, Jason Nash. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is already so funny. Um, let Matt talk first. Jason Nash is here. Jason Nash is on my podcast. <laughs> Guys, the candles are lit. The white claws are cracked. <laughs> Welcome back to Matt King's podcast. You know the name of the podcast? You never told me. All, I, all you said was, can you do my podcast? You, never, you don't give me any information. You're too busy with your wonderful Matt King life, hanging out with Cody Co., who's hilarious. I hang out with Cody And occasionally Post like Malone. Once a month. No, I know that Matt King lifestyle. You're well, always jumping on yachts. Oh, You're always come going on, places. Come on. Okay, what do you think the name of this podcast is? Matt King's Yacht Podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's not. Post Malone's My Brother I don't podcast. even know Post Malone. Uh, let me keep guessing. Let's keep coming up with names before you tell me. Okay. Um, I, 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 Vlog Squad... It, uh, vlog Squad Intellectual Podcast. <laughs> there we go. You nailed it. That's what, it exactly what is it? What is, what is the is. name? It's Hoot and a Half with Matt King. 
That's perfect for you. And then Mike Sheffer here too, as well. Is Mike going to be on the podcast? Well, he has a mic I'm, in his hand. Yeah. I'm but co- I mean, like every episode. I'm the co-host, baby. Oh, yeah. I love that, Mike. You're a born performer. Oh, thanks. Just, Jay. You just don't have the followers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Thank it's, you for having me. I, it's it's just a fun. pleasure having you. Um, we've known each other for about I think what five and a half years. Yeah. Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, at Coachella. No, it wasn't at Coachella. Oh, it wasn't. <laughs> I know. I knew that Jason wouldn't rem- remember. I can't remember my kids' names, but so you tell me. <laughs> oh, what are your kids' names again? Um, shit. <laughs> Walter and Charlie. Yeah, there you go. I mean, why? Um, no, I re- I remember the first time. Well, the first time you like came across my radar was like on Vine back in the Vine days. It was uh back in the Vine days. I've been watching your vines and stuff, and I had like started getting a little bit of attention on vine and then you dm'd me i did you did you dm me on vine and you said funny vines man did i really yeah and i couldn't believe it i was like oh my god jason nash is messaging me and you had like the verified like so jason was a big deal on vine at this point too yes like you i think you were yeah in the millions and millions of followers you were already out in la collaborating with all the top dogs i'm so glad i did that and then you know what you (laughs) well then i responded i said what jason nash I had to look at your profile and see if it was real. I thought it was fake, but no, it's really you. Thank you so much, man. It means a lot. And then you responded, hey, hey thanks, man. Uh, also, can you revine uh, one of my vines? <laughs> and it was like for like a Badoo ad or like Hot or Not or something. And I was like, oh, It was okay. not a Badoo ad, was it? Uh, yeah, I think was you it wanted an ad? me to revine an ad for you. Well, you know, it's taken me a long time to understand protocol that the young, <laughs> the young people have uh, with the internet. I understand now, you know. But I was flattered. I really was. But I just didn't revine you okay well that story then, is, doesn't no, paint me in then, a great light so now we're gonna spend the next 40 minutes no winning no. the audience over but that's fine i'm a former stand-up comedian i know what that's like <laughs> let's but then do you it you really redeemed yourself when we finally met in person well i and, thought i'd been always been nice to you matt i don't know why you gotta lead with a shitty we're story very nice. like that i just can't believe you slid in my dms like flattering me as this top dog from vine and then you're just asking me to do like a favor for you no that that wasn't what i was doing at all i'm sure i'm sure i <laughs> really did think you were funny it's not like i uh i dm soflo and i was like hey funny funny minds, man. <laughs> uh and then because finally... i do think you're really funny and i always have and there's just certain people that you can see right away and you're like you know david was one of them you were one of them zane heath um you all there were you all stuck out to me on vine for sure alex oh yeah yeah for sure even though you didn't have the most followers you're like oh they're way funnier than everybody else. yeah yeah, yeah. no it really meant a lot and i'm glad that okay. you did you know, reach out to me in the beginning. And then what happened? Then, then, then what was then, the next horrible thing I did? No, to you? then it wasn't that horrible. The second time we met, welcome to character assassination <laughs> with Matt King. When we finally met in person, it was during I think what they call it was Social Media Week, which is like I don't know some conference or whatever. And then Collab hosted an event. For all the people at Collab in L.A. I just moved to L.A. And you stole my parking space. I was all set to get in the parking space. And there's Jason Nash, the guy (laughs) that wanted a rebind. We we did end up going to a parking lot, you and me together, by ourselves. We did? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is back. I hope to smoke pot. No, it wasn't (laughs) pot. It was actually cigarettes. This was back when I had been smoking cigarettes. And I knew that I think you were smoking in my car. No, you and you like, I don't know. We were like. Kind of talking at the party, and then you were like, 
I'm gonna go have a cigarette. And I was like, he was like, you want to come? Oh, I remember I was like, that. And I was like, oh yeah. And then we went and had a cigarette that. together in the parking lot. And this was like your first one-on-one hang. Yes, our first one-on-one hang. And that was like before people were like vaping or anything like and that. And what did we like, say? Um, I think we just like kind of got to know each other and stuff. And I maybe brought up the thing. I called you out about messaging me on Vine. Did you? Revine. And what did I say? We laughed. Oh, we did. We laughed. Okay, good. No, I didn't take it that seriously. Okay, I just good. thought it was like a funny opener. And then I think I was just like asking, like, "Oh, what's it like living in LA? What's your story and everything like that?" But You're I'm very kind of, Matt's very inquisitive. He's the one of the most inquisitive people I've ever met, which I love. And Matt will just come up to me, and he'll be really funny, <laughs> just out of nowhere. He'll, he'll ask me questions about the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> so like Madonna, like that was a thing, oh, and yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, Madonna was fucking big." And he'll be like, that's so cool. I know. I think one time I was like, hey, Jason, didn't like Crispin Glover like almost <laughs> kick David Letterman like on live TV? And you were like, Matt, you know references that none of your friends know and you probably shouldn't even know. There's always jokes that I say. No one laughs. And then I'll look around the room and I'll see Matt giggling like, oh, Matt, at least Matt got it. <laughs> you too, Mike. You get the references. Yeah, that's you Matt, got Hindenburg the other night. Yes, that was a good one. Yeah, I had a Hindenburg. Matt, the Matt, other has, night. Matt is like a sponge of of cultural and just human knowledge anything that ever happened that mm-hmm. has yeah a history matt knows i about. can't help it i can't help it i'm inquisitive and I'm you consistently be... prove all of us to be dumbasses <laughs> and no... and at the same time no one fucking listens to you <laughs> like you'll, you'll literally be like that chemical combined with that chemical is not good i'm telling you guys <laughs> My my professor at UT Austin tried this, and everyone's like, "Oh, uh, uh, okay, come on, let's go blow shit up." Uh, well, I'm gonna be nothing but inquisitive to you during uh, okay. this podcast. All right. Um, but yeah, but I just really want to get to know you more and uh, just know your life and where you're at and everything. My yeah. life is very uh, it's very fast paced, and I'm trying my best. I feel like my life is just hanging on. Has to, it all? To has the it front always... of the car <laughs> while someone's driving? You know, and your fingertips are. Where the windshield wipers are, and the person's just going, and that—that's my life, just holding on. You, really, you hustle hard though. You—you're the I'm best. You, you juggle so much, and when you, you have two kids, you don't—you know. Has it always been fast-paced? Was your? Did you have a fast-paced childhood? You're from Boston, right? From Boston, grew up in the suburbs. Went to University of Massachusetts. Got my bachelor's. Got a uh, got an internship at Saturday Night Live. Hold on, hold oh, on. Let's let's take it back a okay, bit. Okay, okay, okay. You're growing up in the suburbs of Boston, so yeah. it's not Fat hard kid. Boston. No, not at all. It was a pretty like easy childhood. Or I, was my, it? I mean, my childhood wasn't easy. My family was like uh, financially not the best, and um, and you know had a lot of problems with my dad growing up. Right. But like it's all good now, and uh, and I was overweight. I was like a very nice kid. I was very thoughtful and very sweet, and too sweet. You know what I mean. Um, and like, then like I, Wyatt kind of, yeah, just like Wyatt, <laughs> yeah, just like my <laughs> son, Wyatt, who Mike knows. And, uh, and yeah. And so, you know, that, that served me well in some, some places and in other places it didn't, I always had friends, you know, I was always friends with like the cool kids, but I was like the lowest tier of the cool kids. But were you the funny one? Uh, like, cause I was funny. Yeah. yeah. yeah kind of funny. I mean, all my friends were funny though. Everyone, everyone in Boston is funny. And like I always say about Mike, every Jew is funny. <laughs> oh, that's right. Both of you are Jewish. Yeah. Yes. Tell Matt the joke. Oh, he's not going to get it. No one's going to get it. Wait, I think I know what the joke the is. The Seinfeld joke about, okay, so this is a joke that Jewish people understand, they laugh at, but Gentiles who are people that are not Mike Jewish. Mike and I are both Jewish. Yeah. yeah, Matt yeah, yeah. Let's see if Matt gets a joke. The joke is two 
non-Jewish business people are walking down the street and one guy says to the other, how's business? And the other one goes, it's great. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I knew you'd get it. I get it. David it's didn't because, get it. Right. No, it's, we will. Because you're talking about business is great. And for the Jewish perspective about mm. business, yeah. of course, it wouldn't be great. They have something to, to complain, complain about. about. Yes. It's okay. Ex- okay. It's hard when you ask someone who's not Jewish <laughs> why it's yeah. funny. Because <laughs> yes. then you have to get them to admit that, like, well, a Jewish person wouldn't be that jazzed about. Nobody. Yeah. Jews. Yeah. They don't answer questions in a positive way. It's always either a complaint or another question. Mike had the best example the other day. He was like, if you ever ask me about how things are going, my life's pretty great. Like, you know, go, it's going pretty great right now. But if you ask me, I'm always just like, oh, We just did fuck. ask you. We just did it. it sound, you we sound literally like just did it your, when you were in the bathroom. You, well, just on this podcast, you said you feel like you're hanging on to the back of someone's car that's yeah. swerving around. I think by any metric mm-hmm. of a human being in America, you're living a fantastic life. Yeah, yeah. But I, every day I'm like, oh, God. Millions of fans, loving kids, successful career. Yeah. Two great kids. What's what are you complaining about? So, but an ex-wife I'm still sleeping with. I'm <laughs> That's a joke. That is a joke. She has a boyfriend. He's a wonderful man. I'm kidding. But when you were younger, did you go to Hebrew school? Did no, you... we couldn't afford Hebrew school. We couldn't. We, we 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 didn't. My parents like started to go to the temple, and they wanted all these fees, and they were like, "We're not going to temple anymore." And I was like, "Okay, great." Oh, so, but yeah. did you did you at least have a bar mitzvah? Nope, couldn't no afford it. No bar mitzvah. No bar mitzvah. No, couldn't afford it. No, because I didn't go to school. Because I was just like, and then at that 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 really like turned my, that just turned me on the Jewish religion at a young age. I was like, oh fuck these people. Like, yeah, you know, like, I can't afford to hang out with you. Then fuck it. Uh huh. You know. But then my relatives are all Jewish too, so I'm. It's ingrained in me just the the Jewish way. Yeah. Of, eat more and overeat. And, you know, <laughs> save money and. You know, so. yeah, and, and and you said like obviously, home and life. I married a Jewish woman. Oh, did so you I'm have? A, to? I'm attracted. I'm attracted to Jewish women. You are. Oh yeah, big time. But you would have married her if she wasn't like you would have married somebody who wasn't Jewish. Oh, I would have married. I can marry a non-Jew too, but okay. I, I'm definitely like if I when I meet a Jewish girl, I'm like oh I, I even like the other day like Natalie had her friend Sammy in town. Yeah, and she's Jewish. She's from yep. Long Island, and yep. just immediately I'm like oh I can talk to her and get along with her. My mom's a Jew. My dad is Catholic, and he's like big and strong and macho and my mom's like and so i have both of those things in oh yeah, yeah i can totally tell i know i always tr- i was always trying to be funny and I, gu- I guess you know i i really loved like anytime you could get a joke off and make somebody laugh that was like the best feeling in the world mm-hmm. yeah i mean i can't think of any specifics but in high was funny in high school did, were you in like theater at all in high school or yeah. like or were you mm-hmm. in like no, because all my friends thought theater kids were losers, so I, I didn't do theater. So were you a jock? What did you do? No, I wasn't a jock either. You were just kind of like... I just hung out. Uh, hung, hung out. <laughs> I played basketball. Okay. And I wasn't that, I wasn't good. But then you got into college at UMass. UMass. I went to UMass with, with like... I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I was really into sports. Same. Oh, well, I wasn't. Didn't want to be a sports broadcaster, but I just wanted to be like an online news... Or no, I just wanted to be a newscaster. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, me too. Is I that just a, thought is that, that a major would, that you can study for. Yeah, yeah it's oh, just completely. journalism, broadcast journalism, oh, broadcast wow. journalism. Then you make a tape, and then you send the tape out. And if you're really good, you'll get hired in like Spokane, Washington, and start your career. So you oh, go to college. Okay. You're thinking that you're going to become this big broadcast or journalist. You're gonna be the next Anderson Cooper. Yeah, I got a job at the local news station, and I was like answering the phones there, and I was like, okay. And then, uh, and then I did acid. <laughs> and then uh, the 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 week after I did acid, I was I picked up the sports page as I always do. Yeah. And I started reading the sports page, and I I I stood up in my house and I I put it down and I said, 
none of this, none of this means anything to me. Yeah. Why do I care about this at all? And I was like, I knew every statistic. I knew I could tell you like everything about the Red Sox, everything about the Celtics, everything about the Bruins, everything about the Patriots. Like it was all we did. And then I would go, I went, then like the next week I went to my uncle's house and his, he really loved that I knew everything about sports because he did too. And he would be like, so what do you think of, you know, fucking Fred Lynn or whoever was hitting then? And I would be like, and it just changed. You just had, I, like, I don't, I don't know anymore. I don't like sports anymore. Wow. So, so it was a delayed effect where it wasn't during the trip. It was a week later. No, I don't know. I, I, I saw Bob Dylan play once on acid and, um, and yeah, after that, I didn't like sports anymore. I don't know why. Sports is pretty fascinating because you have to get so invested in other adults competing against something that you have no real yeah, vested interest in. And sports crazy. happens based on like the community and people that you're with. Like you know, if you're if you had the connection with like, your grandpa and you're watching all the time, it's a great thing to talk about. But yeah, you get to a point where no, no, the, or, the 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 act of like let's get together and watch the game. I love that. Like, yeah, we're gonna make wings. We're gonna have beer and that passion. I love. But then when I sit down and watch the game, I go, oh, I don't care. Unless it's like Tom Brady and he's like in a playoff game. That's about the only thing I can watch. Yeah, and maybe it's got to be like historical when the when the playoffs come. That's yeah. when like I'm tuning in and I'm. You but know. it seems like you had a realization that you are bigger than the things that are outside of you. Yeah, I guess so. I and, never really thought about it, but I think you're right. And that might be like maybe when you dialed up your comedic talents, where you realize, hey, I can make something for myself. I don't need to watch other people make something. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. And then I was all, but I was always a fan of like Saturday Night Live or whatever. And then I remember I told my parents I was like. Uh, I was in a car in like Newton, Massachusetts, and I was like, I was in college, and I was like, I want to be a comedian. And they were like, what? They were like, what do you mean? Don't be a comedian. Like, you're working at WBZ Channel 4. You know, yeah. you can get a job there. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, no, I want to be a comedian. And they were like, you're not funny in any way, <laughs> you know? And uh, and and then they really said that to you. You're not funny. I mean, it, I, they didn't say that, but I mean, that's what that that's what they were saying. That's what they were thinking. Like, yeah. you're, you're not more, funny. You were more funny to your friends than your parents. I mean, I don't even know if I was that funny to my friends. All my friends are funny. All my fucking friends are funny. In fact, when I started to do this, I went to all my friends in Boston, and I was like, "You should fucking do this with me. Like, you're way funnier than me." And and we tried, and they didn't. They just didn't have like the need to do it. Like my friend Topher, who's so much funnier than me, I like brought a camera out and I was like, let's like shoot a sketch or something. And he was like, nah, I, I can't. He's like, I just want to drink beer. And I'd be like, okay. Like, and then we just, it just didn't work. So was there a stand up scene at your college? Or uh, when it was like, from the moment you said, I want to be on SNL, like what was the first step you took I, going I towards that? I probably got the job at SNL and then I was like doing open mics. And then after a year, um, I quit SNL and just performed all the time, and then I got an audition. But how? SNL. Nobody, yeah, hold, 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 on, hold on, whoa, hold on. slow <laughs> down here, Jason. Because like, not everybody gets like a job at SNL. Was it yeah. an internship at first, and then yeah. it turned into a job? Yeah, first it was an internship. My mother drove me down to New York City. She was like, "I don't know why you want to live here. It's so far. New York's awful. You're not gonna like it." And my mom's like a great person, but she, I think she just didn't want me to go to New York. She was worried about me. And I got in a three-piece suit. And I went, <laughs> I went up to Thirty Rock in a three-piece suit. And the you minute, had an interview. I had an scheduled? interview with SNL. Yeah, okay. I had an interview with Dateline, and I had an interview with SNL. How and this is before the internet. Yeah. How so did what you, you go about getting an interview at SNL? In what year is it? Nineteen eighty something. This was ninety-four. How do you go about pre-email? Getting that, were you calling? Yeah, you would just call. You would just get the phone number for NBC and be like, "Hey, can I get the intern program?" And then you send a resume and you wait to hear. 
and then they'll call you and they'll be like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see you. So, so I had a. So you're in your three piece suit. In my three piece suit. And I had an interview at Dateline and SNL, and I didn't want the Dateline one. I was like, fuck, I don't want to work at Dateline. It's a good show, but I don't want to do that. I want to work at SNL. So I went to the interview at Dateline, and then like maybe an hour later, I like, sat. And then I went up to SNL in the three-piece suit. And the minute I walked off the elevator in, at SNL in the three-piece suit, I was like, fuck, no one wears three-piece suits. <laughs> like, this is oh, literally, no. even Lauren will wear like a sport coat right. and a white shirt, maybe. Lauren Michaels, who's the executive yeah. producer of SNL. You know, you know, it's SNL. They're writers. They're all in sweatpants and sneakers. And the, it's like, you know, and I felt so stupid. And then I sat and had the interview, and they were like, sure, you can work here for free. Were you thinking the whole time, like, I need to say something funny? Like, I got it. Did you, like— No, I was so like, scared. I was probably just like, I, I will, I'll do anything to work here. I love it so much. I'll work so hard. Like, whatever you need, I, I, I want to work here. And they were like, we like you. Great. For whatever reason, I can't even remember Matt, but they like me, and they hired me. I don't know why. Did you make them laugh in the interview? No. Do you remember no, anything no, about no, it? No, no, no. I didn't make anyone laugh at SNL when I was there. Did you think you were going to get it when you walked out of the interview, though? No, like, no. What? When I walked out, I was like, oh, no, there's no chance in hell that they would have me. Because, because the other kids that were there, like, there were some other kids there, and you could see, like, they were really polished kids. They were like from like really good schools they probably had connections in my mind and the people that do get jobs there it's always like paul simon's kid or, yes I mean, no that is true you that know, is like, true. not uh, that paul simon's kid worked there but for example like someone like that right you're like oh of course they're here like they literally their dad's performed on the show seven times you know well paul simon's just... kid doesn't need to intern there paul simon's kid is fucking hanging <laughs> yeah out. But yeah, it's always connected people, and SNL is so about being connected and mm -hmm. who you know. So you got the job. I got an internship. I was, I started. I, so then I would hang out with like I would sit and like watch Sandler and Spade write. Wow. Whoa, and then, like, hold on. We all know you as like this guy in David's videos, but this life that you had before. Sure. This, I have many lives. You moved to New York, like moved like, to paint okay. The so whole picture so for I had us. no money. I was like, my father's like, you can't go. Like, we don't have any money to send you. My mother somehow found the money. I paid nine hundred dollars a month. I lived with a dancer, a male dancer, um, and we lived in a railroad apartment. I had like a bed. I had to walk through his room to sleep in my room. He was really weird. He had fucking four cats. <laughs> he had he had um, thousands of magnets. He collected magnets all over the apartment. And one time I lost one of the magnets and I couldn't find it. And it was like a really big deal. Anyways, I would wake up. I would wake up in the morning and then I would just stay there. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't leave. I would be there at eight o'clock when they all got in and then I would leave at like midnight. Are your duties like, are you just getting coffee or anything, you anything they fucking wanted? Like I one time I went and bought like Adam Sandler, like perfume for his mother like one time i cleaned out spade's apartment like anything they needed i was like that's why that's why now when anybody works for me like taylor or when i or taylor doesn't work for me but like this is great advice for anyone out there like you don't know how much i appreciate someone who's like yes done let's do it okay we need this great because like that's how i was and i was like because i didn't care like i just loved the show so much and i just wanted to like be helpful i knew i couldn't write jokes at that point so I knew the next thing I could do at least is just like be there and um, and and be a fly on the wall and learn. And then I met Norm MacDonald. Um, who he was already on the cast. Like so I did like an internship that fall. I went back to school at UMass, finished my degree. And then that summer, Mike Shoemaker, who was the producer then, called me and he was like, hey, do you want a job as an intern? Or not, no, as answering the phones. And that was $400 a week. And I was like, oh, fuck, yes, I totally want that. And then that year... That last year I was an intern, Sandler and Spade and Farley left, 
And then Norm came in and Will Ferrell and David Koechner and just Tracy Morgan. They all came in that year. And then, and then Norm took a liking to me. And then, um, you know, comedians are funny. They need people to laugh around them. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and then that's what I was for Norm. Like, I thought he was so funny, and so he would take me everywhere. He would be like, I, I, I love this guy because he just fucking thinks I'm funny, I think. And, uh, and so he took me everywhere, everywhere, everywhere we'd go. You know, he'd be like, I'm going to you know, do this. And, you know, and I'd be like, okay. And, uh, and so that was good. And, then, and, and, and what I got in return was he's a, he just knew how to write. He taught me how to write jokes. He knows he just – he had, like, all these theories about joke writing. And, and, then, uh, and then he introduced me to Jim Downey, who was, like, a, a legendary writer there. So just sitting there with them, you get to learn a lot, you know. And were you writing down like everything, he, all the wisdom he was telling you, or was it just the energy of being no, I around have, him? Was I, I didn't a, have to write it down. It's just absorption, it just, you know, just like just watching somebody do it. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. When you were at SNL, though, as an intern, did they ever include you in any of the sketches, like as like background? Yeah, they would put me in the background and stuff. So there are some SNL sketches out there where mm-hmm. you're in the background? Because, yeah, I've had friends from college who have had internships at SNL, and they've been like included in the background of sketches. It was nice, too, because then you would get paid that week a little extra. You'd get like 600 bucks from ASCAP. Whoa. Or something like that. You'd be like, oh, sweet. Like that, that meant a lot. Or like they, they were, they were really nice to me. What Norm had a great theory about joke writing that I'll never forget. He was like, he's always said, oh, the punchline should be as far away as you would think. That was his theory about it. And that always stuck with me. Wow. And when you were there, were you thinking like, I got to get on this show though? Or yeah, you, at that time I was like, I was like, I gotta get on the show. Like, I not I gotta get on the show, but I was like, oh, that was my dream. And then, uh, so I guess I'll keep trying this. So then I started performing around town and like, you know, like going up and doing character work and and trying to come up with you know stand up material. And then I got an audition there the same year that Fallon got the show. And I remember seeing him at the audition, and I remember being like, wow, that guy's really good. And did uh, you watch his audition? I saw it later. It wasn't like the walk. I remember. I, I, I didn't remember. I didn't his... see it. I remember hearing it was really good. Yeah, that's what I remember hearing. What did you do for your SNL audition? I did all my characters. I used to do like <laughs> what were I used they? To do like a Jim Morrison character, like a cover <laughs> band. I used to do. I did Matthew McConaughey. I did. Um, I used to do um, like a teenage girl named Heather, who was based on my older girlfriend, who was like thirty-two, and I was like twenty-three. This really like girl that was like <laughs> like the world was like too much for her and she would cry and anyway anyway i don't know it's there the audition's there and then yeah i didn't get it were and, you devastated or um, like how, like um no i wasn't devastated i didn't really expect to get it i was like ah, i'm not gonna get it because i'd already worked there i think that kind of hurt me yeah and i could see that they have like he has tropes that he hits you know what i mean like Jimmy Fallon, Andy Samberg, Pete Davidson, they're all cute, kind of heartthrobby, kind of dorky, and really funny, you know, like, uh-huh. that's that trope. There's a fat guy, and I could just see, like, oh, that's not maybe my thing. And it's- I just I just wasn't, I was just green. I just wasn't prepared, you know. Even mm-hmm. in the audition, I remember I asked for, like, a CD player, and they, like, let me sit there for, like, a minute to test me to see like they'll do that like in the audition they'll test you to see like what you do under pressure when no one laughs or shit like that that was really awkward oh wow wait they gave you a cd player well i needed to play some music and for whatever reason the cd player wasn't there it was supposed to be there 
because the music. Oh, the they like purposely set you up to like not have the CD player. I, I, I'm not saying they purposely set me up. Yeah, but okay. no one moved quickly to find me that CD player. I was just up there forever, just oh, drowning. Wow. But yeah, I mean, it's like it was cool. It was a good experience. But I, you still, I still watch the show. Yeah, yeah. But so it. after that, you like still work and hang around in New York, but then yep. you end up moving to LA. I got a show here in LA. I got the VH one show. show. Yeah, I got a sketch show in LA. That was a music based sketch show with called random random play. play. Yeah. It was with Michael Ian black, Michael Showalter, Nancy balls, Jim uh, Gaffigan Gaffigan was on it. I know I used to know Gaffigan really well. I used to hang out with him. How did you go from being rejected to SNL to getting on a show in LA? Just kept performing in, in clubs in New York. Um. Yeah, in clubs, and I remember after I did the audition at SNL, they all came out and they were like, "That was fucking great! Like, you can't believe you were the intern." And there was a there was a moment where I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll get it." Like, they like me, but yeah, it didn't happen. And then, um, yeah, and then from there, I did that show. But you rough. had connections with all of those comedians like before. You guys were all friends, and then they included you, or did you guys all audition and then get casted in that? Uh, those guys, yes, Michael Ian Black and David Wayne. And Michael Showalter, who none of your listeners will know, but or maybe they will. Maybe they do. Maybe I, they I sure know. So they, I did know a, they, they did a show called The State, and right. then they, and then they did a show called Stella. And then New York, at oh. that time, they had the hottest uh, nightclub show, which was this show called Stella, which was like the three of them on stage. It was like Steve Martin had like three sons. They were all. It was very absurd. It was very brilliant, and it was like, it's it. The comedy is. I, I love it. But it's like anti-humor. Yeah. You know, like one of the funniest things I've ever seen is uh, there's just a woman sitting alone and Michael Ian Black was started talking to her and, and he was just he was just like, well, now I see why you're sitting alone. Like because, you know, after just because she was so boring, you know, like it was like kind of mean, but it was like funny. mean. You know what I mean? Like they could pull it off. It was like charismatic. They were just they were dicks. They were just complete dicks, but they could pull it off because it was like, I don't know. They were charismatic. And how many episodes did random play have i think they we did like 10 episodes and it was on bh1 you're on tv was that like was that like a huge high for you like oh my gosh everyone back from midfield's gonna be watching me on tv or was it no no i don't i don't think so i don't think people saw i can't remember i don't think people saw it i don't remember people being like recognized from it yeah because that's interesting like just a different time when like it was like pre-internet where it was just so accessible you know people could just watch nowadays whatever they want whenever but that back then you just had to sit around and run a tv and watch it like yeah so like, like now you can you can choose who you like so you're the fans are more passionate like i chose you I chose to watch you. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas VH1's like, uh, I guess I'll watch this. It's like a bunch of guys. That's what's on. There's, you can't yeah, change Yeah, it's a bunch of that. guys in wigs and, you know. But, you know, so now I think, like, fandom is much more fervent. Are you making good money during this time? Are you still, like, getting by? Are you yeah, nervous yeah, that, about life? Or are you, like, confident where it's going to go? Like, Yeah, I felt pretty confident. Like, I had an agent. I was, like, auditioning. I was, like, you know, just nonstop. And you're doing UCB as well on top of all of that, right? I did right? some classes there. Um, yeah, just a lot of auditions, a lot of like testing for pilots. Because when you're in your twenties, like, there's a lot of parts, right? You know, there's a lot of like, oh, they need a neighbor, they need a best friend, shit like that. And I hated it. I hated auditioning. I hated, you know, yeah, I just didn't like it. Do you like to audition? No, not really. I guess I hate the process of auditioning for somebody who's just asking me to come in so they can just fill in people, you know? Like it just doesn't feel right. like they're actually genuinely interested in having me. Like that's where like you feel like I don't know, you just feel like a You want to go somewhere that you're needed. Right. Like, that you specifically are needed, not just 
anybody that fits your specific demographic could be replaceable. Yeah. The last, the last audition I had was so bad. It was last year. This woman called. She was a fan of the videos, David's videos or all of our videos, whatever. She was like, you got to come in. And I was like, eh, I don't really. And I went in. And what was the part And for? I walked in and she was like, oh, my God. It's like, you came. I'm so glad to meet you. Like, I'm such a fan of the videos. And then I went in the audition and I was fucking awful. <laughs> it was like a sitcom audition where, like, you know, you had to have, like, the beats and the rhythm. I was terrible. I was out of practice. And I was like, not doing this anymore. Because it's like, you know. But you had been on a, a few sitcoms in the past, right? Or you've been yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been on sitcoms. I've done pilots. And then, you know. It just, I don't know, man, just t time goes on. And then you just kind of get sick of it. You're like, I don't, I don't want to go audition for this anymore. Right. And now was. And then I want, and then I went into a phase where I was like, I want to do my own thing. Okay. I want to do my own thing, which was like, okay, like I like sold, like I sold a couple movies that I wrote and then that was that phase and movies take forever. So that was like a wasted years. And then luckily the internet came along and you know. Now I'm happy. Like, I wouldn't really trade this for anything, mm -hmm. you know? But you did make one of the movies that you wrote. I made two. Two movies. Two, two movies. movies well, one is Jason Ash is Married. But I right? think what I read, was it originally a Comedy Central series? And then... I made I made all these webisodes for them. They saw my one-man show. I did a one-man show. And then uh, with, like, jokes. And then I made a, I made a bunch of web, web, uh, webisodes for them. And then in that time, like, everybody got fired. And then uh, – oh, no, what was it? Oh, no, they bought webisodes, but I made a movie instead. Oh. And it was su such a small amount of money that I was like, oh, I don't care. I'll pay them back the money if they're unhappy. And, uh, and I just made a movie instead, and I brought them the movie back. And they were like, this, what the fuck? Like, we're – you're supposed to make webisodes. They paid you to make like six episodes, and you came back with a two-hour movie, uh, an, like an 82-minute movie. <laughs> oh and because that's what I wanted to do, I was like, I just don't care, you know. Like, and I, I was at that point where I was like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And if you want to come after me for the ten thousand dollars you gave me, come after me. But this is what we're doing. So the woman was like really pissed, and then I was like, and then my manager called, like, yeah, they're really mad, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is what it is. And then eventually, like, this head of Comedy Central saw it, and I got a phone call one day, and he was like, oh, my God, he loves the movie, and he's going to put it on Comedy Central, and blah, 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 blah. And that was that. So that was good. I mean, I have to say, if I could give advice to anybody out there, don't listen to anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you'll never get anywhere, like, listening to people. They're so the they worst. gave you a bunch of money to make a bunch of episodes. Yeah. And then you just got, like, because there's a lot of, Matt showed me the trailer before. There's, there's like, a, a lot of people in there. It's a loaded in cast. It. It's, that's, like, yeah. you would see that in, like, Theater's world, like worldwide, it's a stack yeah. I had, a lot, I had a lot of goodwill back then, where I was like, I was performing a lot, and I was seeing these people, and I wasn't like making any money, but like people were like, "You're doing a good." People would come up to me, and be like, "You're doing good. Like you have to keep going." And I'd be like, "I'm like, okay, I will, I will, I will." And then I had a lot of goodwill then, so I was like, oh, "Can you come for a day and do this? Can you come for a day?" And that was that was the only thing I could do then was like, "Oh, just beg, borrow, and steal." Just be like, "Ugh, got to shoot." Call Nick Swartzen and be like, "Can you come for a day?" You know, um, there's one scene in the movie that I am really proud of where I go and it's with Nick Swartz and I go to interview to be on Nick Swartz, to be a writer on Nick Swartz's sketch show. <laughs> and Nick Swartz, who's I think Nick Swartz is one of the funniest people in the world. And he's, he's like, yeah, man, love it. It's really funny. And then he's like, you got the job. And then I begin to cry in the audition. I mean, in the meeting. And it's so awkward. That's probably one of my favorite things. I'll show you the scene sometimes. Sometime. <laughs> we were at South by Southwest and we were there 
for an event because Busy Phillips was having like her own talk show, and you and me were Mike and I were standing like by the stairs when she was walking in, and <laughs> I had had a few drinks, and I just go, "Jason Nash is married." Mm. She goes, "She just gave me this look. It was just like <laughs> we love Jason." <laughs> Anyways, as I'm taking stage, it just completely tossed her off guard. But <laughs> I just had to like put it That's in really her funny. ear. She's, and she's funny. But you said the the movie was based on like a one man show that you had. Cool. Yeah, like in I, the land of tall buildings and, and Lucas red, done his research. And red Jesus fire Christ. engines in the land of tall buildings and red fire engines. What, what, what kind of title is that? What? I don't know. I just I was crazy. I would just do crazy things. <laughs> I, I didn't care. I didn't have I didn't have anyone telling me no. Like I have all you guys now being like, don't post that. <laughs> you know. But back then, I was like, this is what I'm doing, and this is my art. Like I was much more artistic then. I would rent a theater. And be like, uh, it's a show, and it's going to be really avant-garde and whatever, and it's whatever, and it just that was just what I was doing. And well, uh, what's the show? Can you give us like a? I did all or? kinds of shows. I had I had two partners that I did sketch shows with. I had one man shows. Like the one man show that Comedy Central bought was like was about like having a baby and not having any money to like feed the baby and like having a wife that worked and feeling shitty that you didn't have a job. It was basically about that. It was about like our marriage. That was basically what it was about. My marriage. And that was what the movie turned out being. The movie's ultimate. It's about a husband and wife that, like, you know, are having marriage problems. And did you have a close, like, uh, a support group of, like, friends and fellow comedians you were bouncing these ideas off with? Or were you, like, very individualized in, like, your approach being like, no, this is it. I know no, it's funny. No, and you would I, just go in. I or... didn't. I, oh, I did have, like, one friend named Matt Price who who directed my show who was really good. And he would, like, say, like, no, cut this out or don't put this in. Stuff like that. But, um. But yeah, I mean, no, it, it, mostly I was just working in a vacuum. Yeah. yeah, but you still had like no clue that this whole wave of like Vine would come along and no, YouTube so in, in in this insane. whole phase of your life unpredictable. I like, remember seeing like YouTube come out and I was like, wow, that's so cool. I would love to do it, and I just didn't. I was so dumb. I should have tried, but I never tried. And then the movie the Jason Nash is Married came out and Vine came out at the same time, and I was like, oh, I'll jump on Vine and maybe. It'll promote the movie or whatever. And then Brittany Furlon, who um, who I knew from because she dated a stand-up comedian, and she would be there at the club. She wouldn't be doing stand-up. Uh -huh. She would just be there. Yeah. And she was like this cute girl that like, you know, like was just like really bubbly and bright and really nice. And then I saw her on Vine, and she was like had like a million followers or whatever she had. And uh, she was like, oh, let's make some Vines together. And then she was the one who blew me up on Vine. And then wow. suddenly I was like, had some visibility on there. And I was like, oh, fuck the movie. Like, this, yeah. is, this is way more fun. Not that it's way more fun. Like, I, I would love to make another movie. Like, I would love to make a movie with all of us. But it's just impossible. I know. Like, it, how, it, it's, it's impossible. We're all so busy. What's in, well, that's interesting. What, what do you think about a movie? Like, what, what, do you have an idea? Have you thought about this? Yeah, like, like I've had, like, tons of ideas. Like, there's, I get pitched ideas all the time to do movies with you guys. Like all the time. I mean, I would love it. Like I've had, I've had a lot of people pitch me movies. I've had people come to me to write movies for the Vlog Squad. Like I don't even bring them up because I'm just like, I've had little ideas that like I can't say right now because I forgot them. But I've had ideas for Matt that I've wanted to do. But movies are so like, they're challenging to yeah, do. Or was was, F was FML making that like a really tough experience? I mean, like, like no, it wasn't tough. Like they, it was too easy. Okay. You know, it was like I wrote it. They were like, "We'll give you the money," and I was like, "Okay, great." And then they were like, "You have you have to shoot this in fourteen days," and I was like, "Oh, 
So then I got myself fucked because then I couldn't get any of the people. Oh, I remember when you were writing that. You, you were living in that tiny little apartment. Yeah. And you were like, Matt, come over. I just need you to like look at the script and stuff. And like, I remember. And I remember like just going through and he's just like, do you think there's anything funny here, here, here? I mean, you I were like so fast paced. I was like, I thought I was just going to do like a slow read through it. But you're like, no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And you were just like oh drafting as many little jokes and notes as you could. And then, yeah. And then you finally went into production for it. I was actually in a scene, but it was cut, I think, from the movie. Was it? Yeah. But it was a really, it, remember, it was in this big house in the hills. And Matt Kutchel was in it. And he was like some religious guy. I think some big Jesus like Viner. It wasn't Matt Cutchell, but oh. it was somebody else that looked like Matt. Cushel. Oh, I, I can't remember Matt who Cushel. it was. Um, yeah, but I had like a I had a scene where like I I had to act like I was a big fan of the religious Viner that character, yeah, I and I was breaking into the house, and I was like, "Please, I'm your biggest fan," and then they kind of like dragged me on the lawn. No, it's okay. I don't mind getting no, cut at all. No I mean, you guys had to film as many <laughs> things ever. But say I you're just, in it, no one will know. <laughs> Um, I still have never seen it, though. but it's it's uh, yeah, you know, and then, you know, you, that that was fun like to make a movie. But then after that, I was like and then after that was done the same day that um, that movie came out Vine and did horribly uh, Vine went away. It was the same exact day. And I remember calling Brandon being like, bro, Vine's gone. Like, what's going on? It's over. He's like, yeah, dude. He's like, you didn't know. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we've known it's going away for a while. Yeah, a, a lot of us knew it was yeah. going away for a while. They gave you guys a heads up, right? Like uh -huh. a lot of the creators, they gave you like a, what, a two-week heads up? Two I months? felt like I knew for two months. I think they, I think there was a two-month heads up. We had got creators. a message from one of the people working at Vine was like, hey, heads up. This is what's going to happen. Um, we would advise that you like just try to save as much of your content as you can. Because and also eventually like, the, all the data was going to go away with it as well. And your followers, like if you didn't trans, like yeah. transport them over to YouTube or Twitter or Instagram, yeah. like so interesting. There are definitely people who had a career that overnight didn't anymore. Yep. But I felt like I knew like it was coming though because during that time, micro video content wasn't anywhere else. Like Instagram didn't have video, Facebook video wasn't as big as it was then, and Twitter like hardly had video. So like. Now, everyone, you can get that, like, itch of entertainment satisfied elsewhere. But Vine was the only place where you could sit down and just watch, like, just short videos. And now it's elsewhere. But, I mean, it was. Yeah. And and then I remember seeing you uh, start to film with Zane, which I thought was so cool. And it, I just thought that was interesting. Like, I don't know. I just thought you were always, I always thought you were so funny. Do you remember at Coachella when I gave you that speech? Oh, yes. At Coachella? Well, I don't even know who, who was performing. I think it was like maybe Calvin Harris was, or no, it was Cascade. And, and Jason got us all together like in a big group, like a big just like football like huddle and was giving us this huge speech about how much he believed in us and that the next few years are going to be the best years of our life. And it's and it was like we were all like in tears and so moved by this. <laughs> by this. I, I think you were the only one in tears. Uh, I, I, was, I know I was in I tears. Know. I know Walid was in tears. But Walid. it was like oh, but it was like such a great moment though. And you really like saw the future. And it's like everything that you like kind of said was gonna happen has happened, which I think is like you can just tell. You cool. can just tell people that are gonna make it. I don't know. Not that I have like a great eye for talent, but I feel like so much so much of it too is just attitude. You know, and funny. Like you can just see if someone's funny or they're not. I think I know if someone's funny or not. And, mm -hmm. and when you you probably do too, Mike. You do as a manager. I'm sure you could be like, okay, that's not their strong suit, or it is. Right. But yeah, you can just tell like someone like you is so funny. <laughs> David. David. Even when I wasn't before I even vlogged with them or anything, I was like, 
just thought you just tell he's a fucking funny ass kid. Yeah. You know. So yeah, and Alex, I thought we thought Alex was so funny, and it and it all worked out. Like we all, I I can't even believe it worked out. I don't know how it did. Yeah. Like no, it's, all, I, it's literally like a dream. I pinch myself every day. I just I was just driving from here, and I was leaving David's house, and as I drove by. I just heard I, there were four teenage girls ducked down in their car, and I drove by. And as I drove by, you just heard, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like that. And I and I just thought to myself, "Wow, I can't, I can't believe this is real. I can't yeah. believe it is real at mm-hmm. all." Every day, I'm like, "This is fucking nuts." Even just to to have like an audience, especially because for so long I didn't. Oh my god, I spent 20 years like just destitute, no money, nothing. No, no hope of anything happening. And uh, yeah, it's just nuts. And then I met and then, yeah. And so then after Vine went away and the movie didn't do good. Uh, and then I, I met, met, met David and then that was it. It's weird. So fucking weird. man. Like you, you've basically been attempting to get to where you're at right now for basically as long as like David's been alive. Yeah, 100 percent. And so the perspective that you have on just life in general and failure is like super interesting for even Matt and I, who are, let's call it a generation younger than you. Sure. Can you talk about why you didn't just give up and get a job somewhere? Like, uh, why did you keep a good going? Question. I, I because I had I just didn't I just really 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 wanted it. I wanted it so badly. Like I I I just love to create. And I, and I, it's the only thing that makes me happy, really. And that was the big reason why I got divorced, too, because it'd be like Saturday night, and like, I just want to go out and make, make, make a vine or right. shoot content or go in my room and write. Like that's just all I care about. And even, even when I went to do stand up that night, that David saw me, uh, th- I was in a horrible place. I was like installing speakers for my friend, like working like manual labor, and I was like just like so de- like awful. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go do stand up. I'm going to go perform for like 20 people and I know it'll make me feel better. And David just happened to be there? Yeah, he just happened to be there. I don't w- know were there why. already Vine people hanging around or attending? Yeah, and yeah like I think Brandon was there. Okay. And, but for whatever reason, he came in and, uh, and I've never asked him about it. I've tried to ask him on our podcast and he never answers me and it always gets cut. But uh, I, I don't know why he was there. Yeah, I remember around that time when david was starting to vlog and there was like a niche party at the getty museum i was there and you guys were there and then i remember you were there with your kids and then you were down on the lawn with david and he was with his like little camera filming and i remember this look in david's eyes looking at you because you were making some joke and he was filming you and how just like captivated and excited oh, he was. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's I'll, so I'll, funny. I'll never forget that. And just uh, him just like he had this smile where he was just like, I love working with this guy. Because really? I could just see like, because you are just a, um, I wouldn't even say like a bucket full of fun, but you're just, it's it's endless. Like what can come out of you Aww. and the possibilities are just, yeah, endless as well. And I think that was just a really cool moment to see because that was like the beginning of it all. That's so and, cool. I yeah. wish I had seen it. Yeah, I've well, never seen. I him. was watching. I've never seen him it. appreciate me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, do you have any hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not uh, <laughs> running content. around trying to 
lasso well, up some content. Let's see. I like to hang out with my kids. I love to take my kids for pasta. Oh, yes. And you love Vampire Weekend a lot, too. I love Vampire Weekend. I, I, I love having uh, kids that are into music because we go to a lot of concerts and we've seen Vampire Weekend, 21 Pilots. I've seen 21 Pilots four times. Four times? Maybe five. I if think you, yeah. if you count like the half sets at like K Rock, yeah, Acoustic Christmas and shit like that, yeah, that we go to. But uh, yeah, I mean, music's like huge for me. Like, I love, you know, I love even the even like the TikTok songs that like I'll ask people like the other night, like uh, I'll ask people, I'm like, what song is that? Like, and then they'll tell me, and then I'll Shazam it. And like, I love all types of music. I, I love to when I go to the gym, I love rap, um, but I also love like alternative music. Like sometimes the other day I was listening to Pavement. In my car. Pavement. You've never listened to Pavement? It's so, so Matt King. Really? I this think... is hip hop? Or just no, alternative no, it's like music. 90s alt rock. Oh, like, I'm really terrible obscure. when it comes to 90s alt rock. Like, oh, I don't know that? anything. Well, I want to say, like, I, I would like to be into it. It just never got ingrained in me. Well, I don't what's, know. Or... What's hard for probably you is now there's so many bands that mm-hmm. you could listen to to go back and listen to Pavement. Yeah, you you probably got like a hundred things you're supposed to listen to, and you don't. I know I'm all, I'm like a bit of a pitchfork snob. Like I'm always checking that website to see like what the latest and yeah, I've never like, been to pitchfork. Um, yeah, and I, a, I should try it, but most of the music I get, I just I get from you guys. You'll you play look, it off your phone. You are in incredible shape now. Like, no, you, I'm you, not. You, yes, you have transformed <laughs> your body so much over the past year. I gotta say, I'm trying. I I, I uh, took a glance at you across the room when we were David's the other day. I'm like, damn, I Jason's looking eat. great. You too. You look great too. Oh, thank you. That's a lot thank of fun. You. Um, should I ask you some questions? Ask me some questions. I mean, this is uh, uh, no. You can't interview the interviewer. Okay, all right, cool. I mean, do you wait? Do you have a question you want to ask Matt? Um, where? What would be your ideal, like, situation? Work-wise, like stay in L.A. and work like or would you like want to move out of here? And work? <sighs> That's a good question, because I really value my friends a lot and I can't imagine my life like I don't even post this not being surrounded by the friends who I love so much because I feel really connected with them. But like where I would be in the future. I don't know. That's a hard question to answer because I didn't foresee any of this. So it's hard to predict like what the future would bring. All I know is I can just like for me, like I'll always live here. Yeah, pretty much. Unless I got like really rich, I'd move to Santa Barbara. Oh, that'd be nice. I think the reason but Jason's asking is because Jason has said this to me before, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he believes that you have unlocked like an ideal set of circumstances for life, where like you make a good living, you 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 do what you want to do when you want to do it. You don't have a lot of stress, like things that are stressing you out, like deadlines or posting schedules, like, well, not yet at least, but like Jason and I have talked about how like you have sort of figured out just by being yourself, you are a success. Yeah. I'm very like intrinsically motivated. Like, I guess that would be the way to see it. Like money doesn't really motivate me. It's just whatever I'm happy doing and what I'm like passionate about. I think the biggest thing I need to be harder on myself and be a little bit more like selfish saying that like, no, I can be my own, have my own voice and that people would find it interesting for the longest time. I think I beat myself up where it was like, no, 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 no one wants to listen to you, Matt. But now that, like lately, that's, that's it's been like most challenging things that for any creative to push through, I, believe me for so many years to develop your own voice. Yeah. To think what you have to say is worthy enough that, that for a lot of people that doesn't come till later in life. I'm always so impressed with like any of you guys at such a young age that are like, here's my podcast. Here's my video. Here's my thing. Like, 
it's incredible. Like most people are just too scared to do it. Yeah. You know? And I think I like carry like a bit of like guilt with this lifestyle because I was so hard on myself, like academically and thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, I've got to go to a big state school and then I got to get a big boy job right after, which I did for just like a little bit after college. And I realized I, I should just take the leap and get involved in this more creatively with the internet stuff. But I think like all of my friends from back home and back in college and everything, they're, you know, doing the traditional job. And it's hard sometimes where I feel like I should I not be doing this or should is this I don't know, is this something that's um Well, you feel you feel guilty because you've carved out a nice life for yourself and you're doing y- what you, you know want. what? I think yeah, there is like a bit of that's guilt. I would hate I don't really like describing it Survivor's as guilt, guilt right now because I'm in I'm like barely just like letting that go. Or no, right now I'm in the process of really letting that go from myself. You know what I mean? I don't think it's guilt. I think that it requires a certain level of audacity to say, Hey, this is mine. And I don't think you have a reason to or have developed an audacity to say this is mine because you've done so well helping other people do what they do being in their videos being in their podcasts mm. helping them create content that there's an audacity required to say now this is matt king's this is mine i am the captain now and now <laughs> i'm doing it <laughs> pretty much that's what i'm saying I'm you that you for you to say that is a big step yeah. which you haven't had to do hundred percent. I went through the same exact thing, just being like writing jokes for people in stand up and then not having the audacity to like tell the jokes myself, like it, just to know who you are. Like, but it, yeah, it, it's an internal thing that is just so hard. But we're doing it now. We're having hoot and a half. Hoot and a half with Mac. Yeah, you are and doing I, it. No, now. and I'm so happy. It's also uh, that And I'm so happy that you're here and that you've it's come also, on. It's really important, like, not to beat yourself up. Yeah, no, I've been a lot more easy on myself over. I don't uh, beat myself up anymore. Yeah, and I I fuck up every single day, and you know now it's just like, I'll try. Doesn't work out. No, mm-hmm. it didn't work. That bit didn't work. Okay, back to the drawing board. That's the greatest thing about David, is that he has no. He'll never be like, oh, that was dumb. Yeah. Or why did you do that? Or like he'll be like, okay, we'll just try again. Yeah, you know, um, and that—that's so that you just, you just feel like you can fail all the time, and I do. He has this really funny thing. He always says he'll go uh, whenever I say <laughs> I'll, I'll do this thing, we'll be out. I'll go turn the camera on, turn the camera <laughs> like that. I turn your camera on like that, and he'll go. It's never funny when you tell me to turn the camera on. Yeah, oh, no, 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 this time it's gonna be, <laughs> and 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 then it won't be, and he'll be like, he'll turn it off. It's like didn't work, and I'm like, okay, you're right. I'll wait. I'll wait for you to turn the camera on. Was there was there a specific instance or like something that happened that made you stop being so hard on yourself, or it was just a natural progression? Um, oh, I probably not until like I got to film with all you guys that I did I let go of everything because I felt the I felt like a um uh, uh a net a net to fall in. Uh, so now I, now I know that like it, I can, now it, I, now I'm in the best place, which is like, I can go a thousand percent and know I, and know that, yeah, it'll probably fail, but if it works out, it's great. Like last night I was at Saddle Ranch and I was kind of not doing anything. So I just stood outside and I acted like the bouncer for like an <laughs> hour and was like, I people and it's really fun. Like as an exercise and, and then I, uh, you know, like. And I just was like, just doing that, just to do it, 
you know, and to like work on ideas and chops and thoughts and things like that. You yeah, know. feeling free to fail. Free, exactly. Being yeah. fr- feeling free to fail is is definitely yeah. powerful. Because I know that like there's a net here with all of you guys. I know that like. If- oh, Annette. I keep thinking that you were saying like someone's name. Like Annette, Annette Benning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, my friend like, Annette. Who's, this? who's it? Annette? No, yeah. a Annette. Yeah, it's a catch. Yeah. <laughs> because, but that makes sense, right? Like when you come up in, you have your one audition for SNL. You have your one movie. You have your one night to perform. Yeah. Like if you fail. It's all over. That's right. With this, every day you could fail a hundred times. Yeah. And as long as you get it right once, today was a success. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Vlogging's not that hard either. I mean, it is, but it's like, you know, you know what's really funny is I tried to vlog with some other people and and, you, and they weren't good at it. Not Not everybody can just be like, hey, what's up? And like be themselves on camera. It's really, it's interesting. Matt can. It took me a while to like get used to it because I remember you do it in the best way possible. Well, na- now I feel really comfortable doing it. Originally, when Zane was like vlogging, I was like, uh, I don't know what you, you're the what perfect you're amount of, of heightened. Too. Yeah, you, you become like a 2.0 version of your real life. self. <laughs> like when a camera's pointed at Matt, it's like. Where's this guy well, been all I day? I hate. Oh, I hate seeing like everyone get, come over and they're trying to film, but they're so frustrated because you know sometimes like Zane and Todd, they're not always like in the best moods. But like I also know when Zane wants to film, he wants the best of yourself. When Todd's filming, he wants the best version of yourself. So like, yeah. But that's like that's a very desirable and valuable skill to when someone points a camera at you, not only be yourself, but be a better, funnier, smarter, more charismatic version of yourself than if you were just sitting on the couch. Like, but it's also the only place that the, the the skill is valuable is vlogging yeah and in the youtube space yeah like if if matt walked onto a set or you walked onto a set we have to memorize lens and be a character it's a different skill set and but that's why a movie with all of us is, is it wouldn't i don't think it would work because none of us can really act i mean matt maybe matt can and maybe 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 like jeff and jonah i mean i haven't seen them in anything long form but like and i think aaron can act. and aaron i think so i think aaron, aaron has some chops but i don't think she has the desire to <laughs> yeah i'd love to i would love just to be given a script all the time i've been like watching the west wing lately and i've just been like god i just want to be in an aaron sorkin film so, <laughs> so That'd bad be sick. that'd be so sick um well i'll just say you know i think that it's really fun you guys are two of my favorite people and sometimes it's really hard in the group to like, I like everybody so much that I can't get to everybody. Like I can't get, I can't like get to spend quality time with Matt Cain. You know, Mike, yeah. Mike is a little easier to spend quality time with. I don't know why. Maybe I think, well, I think he's a, you're, there, a little he, more, you're a little more in demand. For a, from a scheduling I, perspective? Yeah, like yeah. like either you're out with Zane or like you've got your girlfriend, girlfriend or you're like going to see a show. Yeah. Or you're like going somewhere with Todd. But Mike but you, seems to be like around a little bit more, so I've connected with Mike more than you. Well, I think because he's always down, or he, Mike is always at David's during like the downtime when they're like editing and stuff. And yeah, Mike, that's ha- true. Mike has a fantastic perspective on like what matters and what doesn't, and what kind of flows and what doesn't. So like David really values Mike's like consultation on hundred um, editing stuff. Yeah, and he's and Mike's also a big thinker where he puts like big guy he you just know this space very well yeah and how things are run with i don't know businesses and i i just also like making stuff too just like you guys like it's it right. is fun but also yeah i matt also has a lot 
a lot of friends, like an absurd amount of friends here. Like do every you really dude, yeah. I've been, I've been, I moved I, here I, a year ago. I would say at least three times a week, if I'm out with Matt, someone I've never met before comes up to him and it's like they're best friends. Really? He has so many people that just Isn't know that who hard? he is. Isn't that hard? To it keep, is keep hard. And I make it hard on myself because of it. But I love Aren't having you? a lot of different friends. Like, I really value the vlog squad. I love them. They are like my family. But it's also like kind of work at the same time. And I think it's very important to have like a balance between like your work friends and then also yeah. your friends outside of it. Like, because I went to college, I have all my friends from college who like live out here, and then I have my other friends who were my former roommates and everything that I still keep in contact with. Isn't and that hard on a Friday night when you have like five things you could do? Kind of, but then it's nice like going out and hanging out with people, and it's not like content based. Because like if we're going out with like David, it's like oh we are gonna show up at a bar for what like thirty minutes and then go to another place and for a club and stuff, and it's yeah. like you never really know where your night's going, and there's only so many seats in the Tesla, you know? Yeah. Um, but is it hard? Yeah, it is hard. I is could it hard be a, being popular, but I think I'm not gonna lie. I have a it tough is. time. I have a tough time saying no to people, and I'm always hung up on disappointing people. And Mike knows it because, like, I was just stressing out this weekend because I have some friends coming in town, and the thing that I promised them that was gonna happen mm. couldn't happen, and I was too scared to tell them that we I couldn't get them in. To this event that I told them I was going to get them into. Matt's a nice boy from the south, and we're we're tough you. guys from the northeast, so we gotcha. know how to say no. Matt is very to Matt, me a long Matt, time. Matt puts other people no. before his own self interest. Yeah, well, and, and some people will take advantage of that, but mostly yeah. it's you just are way harder on yourself than you need to I'm be. I'm too hard on myself. He asked me once once every 48 hours are you mad at me and i'm like no i've never been mad at you in the three and <laughs> oh, a half really? years I've oh i even texted mike today it was like sorry i'm so mad <laughs> and i was like dude you had to go to the gym in the middle of the day that's not like you're fine yeah. do what you need to do yeah, like it's know, okay to put yourself first yeah if you could do me a favor and drop that <laughs> because that I, I'm in the <laughs> not that it not that it affects me but like that that's that's so unnecessary. Yeah, I think it's completely unnecessary. I because I because I think when I am making things about myself or I'm like, oh, I got to go do this. I'm being selfish. It's like, not being I, selfish. I know. I interpret it as being selfish because I think growing up, I was like always told you need to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about other people. Kind of oh. a thing like that. That was like some childish like ingrained psychological like um i don't know i don't view it as a malfunction but it ingrained in me too deep where i have a tough time being like no i'm gonna do me and i'm gonna do this i always think like oh that's bad if i'm thinking about me too much is this are you looking at like a past version of yourself when you hear him say that uh yeah for sure yeah like i could feel like that too i've definitely been like that but you have to i st i'm still guilty of it i'm still like like I won't go to the gym because like my kids are sitting there by themselves and like stuff like that. And so now I'm like, you know, now I, so you know what I did? Yeah. I told my daughter I was like, I was like, uh, come to the gym with me, and then so now I've got her going to the gym with me. So now there's no more problem. Is she working out yeah, or is wait, she wait, doing is her she homework? Like what, is she doing squats? She, like she just gets on the elliptical and she like does like a mile. Wow. And but she like wants to do it. She's in that. She's like 11 going on like 18. And so she's just very mature. And so she's like, now she, I don't know, for whatever reason, she thinks it's cool to work out. So it's problem solved. I like going to the gym, though. It's the most like, consistent thing you can do every day. And it's just, you so go nice. in there, you know what you got to do, and you do it. I just, it's I like the structure of yeah. it. If you've, been, if you've been going to the gym for a while, 
if you have like you know three three four months under your belt, that's the best. Oh yeah, you're like, and you wow, wake, like I like feeling stronger. And you wake up and you just like feel it in your body. Like I gotta go. I, I gotta go. Yeah, uh, that's the best feeling. You were. I I hate I don't want to bring up when you were in amazing shape, but you were okay. like ripped at one point. I was ripped. Like when you knew him, or pre- uh, it, it was at the, it was at that Coachella, that spiritual Coachella where I was Jason, ripped. I was 170 pounds at one point, like P90X body, dude. I remember I you were ripped. like had your shirt off at Coachella and just like the lights from the stage were hitting you, and you were just like had your bandana on, and he was just damn. It was fun being ripped. But you're you're in the process of getting it. No, I can see your body like completely transforming. If like, that was just a couple years ago. You can get back there pretty quickly now. Yeah, no. Yeah, but I just stuff my face in the middle of the night. <laughs> what do you stuff your face cookies. with? What's your cereal. your vice? I got this low carb cereal, this no carb cereal. Let me tell you something. It's fucking it's the same thing. It, it well, you like you bin, it's healthy, but you binge a lot of the healthy stuff. Yeah. Like Zane will have those like sriracha puff or those like uh, sriracha puff things. That are made out of like chickpeas, chickpea puffs. Yeah, and he'll have three bags. Yeah, of them. you can and still like, be healthy and eat like an asshole. That's yeah, like, you gotta process. Is that I mean, even even like a healthy chickpea thing, it's it's all fried. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I, I, I if I had all the money in the world, I just the best thing I think would just be like having like consistent the right food that you need for like your getting body. A personal yeah, chef. it's the process of like getting Ooh, the food. Chef. And making it happen, like, cause like I just I don't like cooking, cause Me I never neither. feel like I'm good at it. It could always be better. And it's a skill that takes a lot of time to develop. I can lose so much weight when I cook for myself, though. You do well. Yeah, cause I'll just make like a skirt steak and steam broccoli, and I'm like, wow, this filled me up. I don't need anything else. I'm my satisfied. issue is I don't eat enough. I need to be eating like three thousand, four thousand calories a day. Oh wow! And I can't because i don't know i have a very fast metabolism i'm an do. ectomorph so i'm like naturally skinny an ectomorph so an ectomorph there's like three body types there's it's like ect- where you can turn into an animal or no anamorph that's animal uh, you're an ectomorph you're an ectomorph what does that mean you're like naturally like lean and skinny yeah i think you so. know what i mean like you then there's like endomorph and mesomorph endomorph is like you're like a middle i think jason you're like a, you're like an endomorph and then mesomorph is like someone who nat- gets like you naturally eat celery, bigger. but you still are you're huge. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you well, don't yeah. get fat from eating. You celery. should start every podcast explaining something like that. <laughs> like, oh, what, like really a fun fact thing. Yeah, like, I, by the way, guys, the human body's broken down into three types. I mean, I could do that, but then then I don't know if I want to be like a brainiac podcast where I am just talking about. No, knowledge stuff. is well, power, man. It really is. I love Emma Chamberlain's podcast, though I've only listened to like one episode. She really likes taking on subjects that she knows nothing about and learning about it and then oh, taking nice. your audience on that journey. Oh, nice. But I like getting to know people and that's what yeah. I kind of want not saying the whole show, but maybe, you know, you throw something out like that. I, that was interesting. I love when you told me stuff. I should have done some more research. What about Boston or about like, no, or what like well, random facts that <laughs> you don't have to do any more research. You're having a good time, man. No, no, no. <laughs> what, I'm like getting defensive right now. Like, you're not satisfied with this podcast. <laughs> no, so I've answered up. But I definitely want to have you on again in the yeah. future. So yeah, when, like, let's I do film it. it. We're still getting our chops here. Yeah, we're still getting our chops. No, you guys are great. I mean, is this is this better than recording with David? Well, how do I say this without <laughs> I getting, heard. getting in trouble? He's based. He, he has a he has a very very uh, specific idea of what that podcast is, and and he's right in a lot of ways. And so there's just a lot of things that like we don't talk about. Um, for instance, like we never talk about uh, creative process. 
or anything like that, which you guys, I'm sure, would tackle. We've tackled in this podcast. So there's just a lot of things that are out, and that's not like, and that and that makes for a certain kind of podcast. It, the you know, the podcast is supposed to be like like the, like his vlogs, story you know, based and just just the story, just the with a laugh, just yeah. something that's funny, and then you move on. Right. And he wants it to move really quick, and I and I respect him for that. And uh, but it does make it really really hard to make the podcast. So we'll sit there and try to come up with you know literally things that happened during the week you that know, weren't in, that didn't go into the vlog yeah so and, and if something really funny happened it goes into the vlog and now you're left with okay these are some b stories that are still funny that aren't visual and so it's just it's just hard to do it's very similar to how it is on the unfiltered podcast like i love being a part of it but our i think our biggest challenge is yeah finding what are we going to talk about that wasn't in a vlog or how can we expand on that and then but at the same time, I love talking to Mariah, Zane, and Heath all the time, but I'm such a curious person where I want to talk to somebody who I haven't spoke with in I, a I long do too. time. I mean, you know, I, like, and those are the podcasts I listen to, our interview podcasts. Me too. Like, I, I need that. I need just a fresh conversation with someone I know nothing about. It just, or, or I do know plenty about you, but you know. Well, no, I, me too. I, I listen to podcasts all the time. I love listening to um, Pete Holmes. Oh, yes. You made a weird Pete Holmes. I listen to like pretty religiously. Now better. I'm a big armchair expert with Dak Shepard. I have to listen to that. Some, a couple people have been telling me he's to listen to that. He's the best. He's just a man's man. Yeah. Like, he is a, I, I have listened to it once or twice, and it was great. I, 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 what I mean is I need to listen to it more because it is good. Pete Holmes is great as like a comedy podcast, and Dax is also really funny, but you know, you're just having a sincere conversation. Like My podcast, like I don't really care about, oh, it needs to be funny every second. I think. Right. I, yeah, I like the idea that we have you and I, Matt, have a lot of really interesting, super talented, successful people that we're friends with that we can have a conversation like this and get a perspective that like your Internet persona maybe hasn't talked about. Like right. this whole SNL thing. I've known you for however long I've known you. Never heard that SNL story. Like oh, that yeah, to yeah, me yeah. is super interesting. Yeah, I was like kind of like recapping with Mike before you came over. Like, oh, well, Jason did this, he did that. And he was like, what? I was blown what? away, Jason. Ha- he, huh? huh? I didn't, this whole life that you had about SNL and you had that oh, yeah? show with Jim you Gaffigan. And I, dude, I knew nothing. Like, That's so funny. This is the thing that I was talking to Matt about before. You and I are East Coast guys, Northeast. Can you share just a thought or perspective on like being from the East coast moving here. Do you still feel like you're a New Yorker walking around this foreign land of LA? Do you feel like you're an LA person and shared perspectives on those differences and what that means? What an interesting question. I guess in my mind, as I walk around, I'm, I always feel like a transplant, you know, you still do after 20 plus years. Yeah. Even though I'm not, and even though I wouldn't want to go back there, yeah, you you always feel like a transplant. You always and that and that's probably the problem with LA too is everybody feels like maybe that they're not this isn't their home and so people are just um more flippant and more like uh disregarded. You know, cuz it's like, "Oh, is any of this real?" Um is how I feel a lot of the time. Like it's is mm-hmm. is was what's happening real? Did I just hear teenage girls screaming as I drove by? Like I don't know, like I, I, but I, but then at the same time, like I love LA. I love, I love like what the opportunities it's afforded me. I love the weather. I love get like being in shorts in February. Like it's unbelievable. And and uh, and probably the best thing is just like the creative energy. That's just the the people you meet to be able to be in like a collective of YouTubers that all create together. Like where else could we do that? 
we all take advantage of the city so much. I mean, like, you know, we're always going to like record opening parties or movie premieres. And, uh, and so, yeah, like, I don't know if I answered the question and I don't remember the question, but, uh, no, you're answering it very well. Yeah, no, I yeah, agree. Like, uh, like, but do you guys, I kind of have a, love it a question or like a, and I feel bad for people. I always meet people. Oh my God, this happens all the time. They're either visiting from New York or they've been here for three months and they'll go, do not like it here. I can't understand that. Do not it's get it. It's hard to recommend LA to people. Because like, you I have friends. You yes. have good friends. Yes. Trust me, I've been in the place like before I knew you guys and I didn't have good friends. It's awful. Yeah, it's what you make of it when you're out here in LA. And it's like a lot of it comes down to friends. Because I've had friends from college will hit me up like, yo, think about moving to LA. Like, do you think I should do it? And I'm like, yeah, go for it. But like, biggest thing is find a good friend if base. You don't out. have a good support system. And this is for anyone listening in another part of the country. Do not come here. Do not come here with no friends. Because yeah, that it is. Because it can, really it can fucking it can eat you up. crush you too. At and any time, Mike, you could be here all alone and you go over to David's house, go to my house. Go to Zane's house and yeah. like and have family, and that's something that yeah. like changes I, it. Wow! Imagine I came here and didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would suck. I would have went back. I did it. I was here for years without knowing anybody, and it was awful. Yeah, yeah. It's just hard in New York, though. You meet people easy. in New York. They're it's more so likely. Easy. Yeah, and you'll have friends of all walks of life. You'll be friends with a fucking circus performer in New York. This is my friend Joe. He works at Ringling Brothers. You'd be like, really? Yeah. If he tames the tigers, like right, you, all kinds of people there. But here, everybody's an actor, everybody's an inner person, everybody's a TikToker. That's it, or a manager, or an agent. Everyone's trying to level up here. Yeah. Do you guys think that LA lacks a sense of like pride about it, though? Different from like being from New York or anywhere else. Yeah, because no one's from here. Like what he said is, we all yeah. feel like transplants. B B J Novak was talking about on Dax Shepard's podcast, I think. Or maybe it, no, it was uh, no. BJ Novak was talking about on Pete Holmes' podcast, like if he were to ever run for mayor, he's been like interested in it. Um, what his biggest thing would be would to like really try to instill like a better sense of pride in LA. Like <laughs> even kids who like grew grow up out here and are from LA, like really don't are aren't as proud of it as oh, someone from New York. And I don't know if that's just because of the mixture of people who move here and everyone are transplants all the time. It's constantly recycling. Yeah. That there's this lack of like LA identity. Like we are so comfortable in the city, but we don't like feel the pulse Nobody of the city. Nobody feels like I'm a there's not even a word for it. Like you're a New Yorker. You're what is an LA person? Uh, a what? Los Angelin. But like that's a thing. Angelino. Angelino. Know what the phrase is? I like, know. Yeah. In New York, really you could have like an immigrant from India talking to a first generation Italian and the New Yorkers. Yeah, they're there's all New no, Yorkers. They're it New does, Yorkers. No matter it, there's what no you are, Angelinos. No. Like there's no so way to describe because we're just this circus out here. You're. You're. It doesn't. It doesn't matter your demographic, history, what language you speak. If you're. If you live in New York, you're a New Yorker. Can yeah. I, can I answer the other question? Yeah. You know what I'm excited about? Yes. Uh, to see what my kids grow up to be. Aw, that's, that's the best that's answer. Whoa. That's the probably thing I'm most excited about. Because at this point, like, I'm like done. I'm like, eh, I don't really care what happens to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. But I mean, like, I care. But like, uh, as long as I have a roof over my head, like, I don't really care. And but uh, but I am really interested to see like. Uh, like I, I'll tell you what's interesting is to why this is really hard when your son plays music mm -hmm. and you're like, is this good or do I just think it's good? Cause is he, is he good or is he my son? 
That is he so is interesting. Incredibly talented. Your son, he when uh, Jason was still a roommate, White would have uh, guitar lessons over at uh, our house. Oh, and yeah. I would be upstairs like changing, and I start hearing like downstairs just like vampire weekend riffs just on a guitar perfectly it felt like ezra koenig was downstairs no, performing in our living room uh, like, not perfect uh, uh, above you average know, very good he's like, very good but he's not perfect that's what's really hard well i mean he's I, just getting there the kid's gonna be a stud when he walks out of high school or who knows he's gonna be he's gonna be joining some big band and you're gonna be like you need to finish high school wyatt no i'd let him leave right now <laughs> i wish the thing the thing that this is what not that i wanted like not that I want him to like be a star or anything, but I understand, like, I understand like the magic of being able to make music. Mm. I can't do it. I went to Charlie Puth's house once. <laughs> I watched him make music. I, I didn't want to leave. I, I just wanted to sit with Charlie Puth for the rest of my fucking life. Yeah. And every time I hear Charlie Puth's new record, I say to David, I go, I was there. I was there. I heard that. We heard this before anybody. Like, I just love the idea of it. And even to go in and watch the songs that he's working on, I'm like, this is it. This is, like, this is it. This is fucking it. Better than making like, movies. Like, seeing musicians, though, and knowing yourself that you are not a musician and you have no talent. Yeah. It's like this club that you're never going to be invited oh, to. Exactly. It's so, so well frustrating. Said. Him and Adam will sit here and just play their guitars and everything, and I'm just like, ah, oh. I just... You just want to join in, but oh, I, I all I can and do is just. Mike, Mike pulls out the guitar one day, and he's like, "Fucking amazing!" And you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, Mike's good at guitar. Mike's a musician. Like, God, why couldn't it have come to me? Do you know how many times I've sat up at night recently and thought to myself, "Okay, I have a little bit of money now. I am going to go full on into guitar <laughs> lessons." <laughs> White has White has a great teacher. He has a great piano teacher, a great vocal teacher. I am going to go full on. I'm going to go three hours a day. Not not to be famous think, for it, but just just so I can play. Do you think you could do it? Like I feel no, like you I have tried to be once. young. You I, ha, you I, have that plasticity yeah, in no, your brain where it just 100%. you soak it in. I, I, I don't I can't be on beat at all. Yes, you can. I believe every person is born a musician. <laughs> and And it, for sixty nine ninety nine you can buy <laughs> <laughs> my three DVDs. No, 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 no. I, like dude, Todd Todd Smith. He's two cons- years ago. Yeah. Didn't know how to do anything. Scott could not rap when he first started. I did. I we Scott did live shows. We did live shows with Scott like less than two years ago. Motherfucker couldn't remember his lyrics. I remember. Now he's playing sold out like yeah. thousand twelve hundred people. Like it's incredible. We are innately musicians. The instrument maybe if you know a piano versus a guitar versus a trombone maybe different, but I fully support every single person trying to become a musician. It just doesn't make sense sometimes how you guys like, can play a guitar and another guy comes with a guitar and you already know what he's doing and you guys just make a great melody together. Like, I don't see how, like, and it, that's it doesn't seem real. It. They it, can but, hear but, it. But what I'm saying to you is that I, you can I know. learn that. And once you do, like, I feel like that it, it literally is another language that I know how to speak and, add, and every musician knows how to speak that language. And I... Cannot stress no, how valuable you. I can't. no I fuck you I, we can't I, I yes you can <laughs> no I want to I I think everybody be, can and should would it be guitar for you if a piano I think piano, piano. I would yeah. love to play piano have you talked about this publicly yet like mm. maybe you may have talked about this on David's I'm not sure yeah. about the whole Phineas thing how yeah. you sent I can talk about it oh Wait, have, what have you have you said it already you. what I oh you Phineas DM'd why me about Wyatt's song. Did not hear this at all. I did tell you. You absolutely did, did not. You, you told me. Oh, maybe I told you. 
yeah, this is a really funny story. I'll try to tell it quickly to not bore everybody. But why my son, he's 14. He had to write a, um, he had to write a project to do an essay. His teacher's like, you, you can I? He's like, can I write a song? She's like, yeah, sure. So she, you know, placates him. It's like it's kind of annoying, I'm sure, for the teacher. Like, but he he does everything in song. That's how he. So. Anyways, he's like working on this song for months and months. He's staying up till five in the morning. He's getting grounded, and his my ex grounded him. He's never been grounded. She walked in at five in the morning. She was like, "Go to bed." He's like, "I can't. It's not done." Like really defiant. Like, she's like, "Okay, you're grounded. No phone." Blah 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 blah. Anyways, what? Yeah. So the let song, me let me talk to her. Okay. So the song. So anyways, I, I the Sunday night before I go to him, I go, "Why?" I go, "You gotta finish this song. Just finish it. I don't care what you do." Like put it on the thumb drive. Go to bed at ten o'clock. He's like, and I walk out of the room. I go, hey, what's the song about? He goes, oh, um, uh, it's about the Holocaust. <laughs> oh I was like, what? He's like, uh, yeah, I read the book the night, and um, um, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's about the Holocaust. But, anyways, so then, cut to he sends me the song, and it's like, it's like really good. Yeah, like, it's fucking crazy. And uh, and and I, I couldn't believe it. It was like really powerful. It's and like, like a cinematic score crazy, from us. Yeah, 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 cinematic scores, and it sounds like Arctic Monkeys at points. It sounds like Twenty One Pilots at points. It sounds like Hans Zimmer at yeah, points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you hear it, and you're like, because he's my son. I'm like, I, I'm like, this is fucking really good. And I call my ex-wife. I'm like, this is really good. And she's like, do you think so? She's like, I think it's good, but we we don't know if it's actually really good. And then anyways, I'm sitting there the other day at my computer and I got a DM from Phineas, who I don't really know that well. I've only met him twice, but like huge fucking fan of them, obviously. Like what they've done is incredible. My kids and I listen to their music non-fucking-stop over and over again. Like it like that, like it like that, <laughs> like it like that. Wow. Right? Like non-stop. And, uh, and he DM'd me and he was like, uh, bro, your son's song, because it was on our podcast. And he was like, your son's song is so good, blah, blah, blah. He has a big... What? I, you didn't know I, this? What? I, I went like this in my chair. There was somebody there at my house shooting a video. I went, ah! Ah! Oh, my God! They're like, what? What? What happened? I'm like, oh, Phineas, Phineas likes my son's song. And they're like, who? And I'm like, from Billy Eilish, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wow, really? And, uh, and, uh, what? And, you know, just because, like, just because what they did was so incredible, like, that no one asked for that music. Do you know what I mean? Like their music, their, the music, the, the record that they made, it's like, it's it's incredible. But I could have seen them making it and no one even paying attention to it. In mm -hmm. other words, it doesn't sound like anything. It's not derivative of anything. It's it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Kurt Cobain came out with uh, fucking In Utero mm -hmm. or not In Utero, the first album. Never mind. He came out with Never Mind and everybody was like, "What? What is this? What is this?" We we were. I remember I was in college. I was like. What the fuck is this? Like, this is so good. This is sounds like nothing we've heard before. It is completely brand new. The lyrics sound like the Beatles. It it's not hairband. Like, and that's what Billie Eilish reminds me of. Where it's like, oh, it it, it it it's it sounds like it was made forty years ago, and yet it's like really popular. Like, that's where I give this generation some credit. They made her famous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's like really, really, really good music. Like, um, so yeah, so like I I just I and especially Wyatt, he regards Phineas as like. That's what Wyatt would want to be. He would want to be like Phineas, the songwriter, not necessarily the front man. Crazy. Crazy. And the night before, I was sitting with, uh, with, with Wyatt and Charlie, and Wyatt was like playing his guitar. And he was like, Wyatt, just, Charlie, please, please, will you play with me? Please. I need someone to bounce off of. And she's like, no. 
no, I don't like the type of music you're into. Like that. And I was like, oh, Charlie. And then the next day we got the um, DM from Phineas. And I was like, Charlie, you're going to play with Wyatt now? Because Phineas thinks he's really great. <laughs> she was like, did you tell him about me that I can sing? And I was like, no, I didn't. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. But That's... just that little bit, because he, he thinks what he does is, like, not good. And I was like, I was like, just that little bit of encouragement from someone like that. Or even from you, Mike, that little bit of encouragement means yeah. so much. That's why I'm always, like, trying to get you guys. When I met Dylan Francis, I was like, I was like, oh, just talk to Wyatt just for five minutes. Yeah. Just, no, just I, give him I some encouragement. Wyatt all the time. Like, when he was doing that, the he had the. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was it? A recital to do the, the Eddie Van Halen song. Eruption. Like, he, he sent he sent me stage. like ten versions of it, and he was like, "Which one do you think is good?" And I was like, "I mean, I think I think you're a great dad, Jay. Oh, I will thanks. say that. I tried. Amazing. Probably. Like it's it's very underrated to be a good dad. Yeah, it's 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 fine. Most dads are not good. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not. That's why there's so many assholes. Like, yeah, most people don't have good dads. I think Matt has a good dad. I've never oh, met your dad. I met father. your dad in, in Dallas. Uh, was it Dallas? Oh, he you did. And then I think you met him also in New York City. You met yeah. both of my parents. Yeah, I met your mom too. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. met Matt's dad, but Matt's dad. Oh, yeah. Mike's always like, oh, your dad's so cool. He slides into my DMs. He slid into my he DMs, does? and I was so excited. He responded. I had put on a Van Morrison record on my Instagram story, <laughs> and he was just like, hell yeah, Van the man. And I was like, Matt, your dad DM'd me about Van Morrison <laughs> records. And I was just so – and then so him and I will like talk about coffee or records. And like I never met the guy, but I could just tell if he made a kid like Matt, and he's – Likes Van Morrison and likes what I like. He's got to be a good dude. He's a good. My he's dad's a great, a great guy. guy. And Matt's dad sent all those jazz records to Wyatt. Oh yeah, he did. Oh see, yeah. wow, yeah. So being, I will. I guess we can probably wrap it up here. I just yeah. want you to know, Jay, Aww. Jason Nash. I think you're a great dad, a Thanks, great person. Man. I'm trying. Jason, thank you so much for Matt, coming on this podcast. It means so much to me. I love Ooh. you. You are an incredible soul, an incredible human being. And um, anytime. I'll it just here. means so much, and we have to do this again sometime. 100%. Once we get the video version and every, yeah, so, all of that set up. So we're but, doing this here, uh, just audio for now. You can do video here? Well, once Matt moves into the new house, I think we're going to start yeah. doing a video setup oh, there. I think, yeah, that will be the be ideal sick. setup. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Well, right thank you so corner. much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Guys, make sure you subscribe to Jason <laughs> Jason Nash on YouTube. If for somehow you don't know who this guy is at this point. I have point. some contacts at Hype House. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you want. Oh, <laughs> so when you were doing Renegade, <laughs> thank you so much, Jason, once again, and thank you guys so much for listening. Have a um, have a great day. Yeah, Jay. Jason, bye, Nash. guys. Bye, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you, Matt.